Good day, everyone, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have three amazing entrepreneurs from across the globe. So get ready, because you're about to learn something about these women. Let's start off with Laura. Laura, tell us about yourself, what it is that you do, and what makes you different than every other female entrepreneur in the world. Well, hello, Anika. Um, so thank you for uh, inviting me for this, this podcast. Uh, so I am, uh, my, my background is, uh, as you may be here, uh, I am French and Italian. I was born in France. I was, um, I was in the low uh, de uh, environment uh, for a decade in France. Um, I have a degree in law. And so when I moved to Australia, I'm living in Australia for 11 years now. And uh, when I moved there, uh, I started my, uh, my own business, uh, first in the events and then after consulting. And recently in coaching, so I'm, business, I'm coaching business uh, and especially people who want to immerse their business in France because I have uh, that legal background and also I have the culture and the language as well. So I can help them for that. But I do also another thing because I wanted to keep it up with my, um, my studies. I am an international advocate in human rights. So I'm having um, lots of cases all around the world. I'm working for an organization. We have a special consultative status at the uh, United Nations. And so uh, I'm working on cases like human rights and also um, refugees, big, big case for refugees at the moment for me. So yes, that's it, what I'm doing and why I am different from maybe my, uh, my other uh, colleague entrepreneurs. That is amazing. And so you talked about international human rights. And yeah. when I think of international human rights, I think of in my area, human trafficking. Do you do anything with that? Um, I used to work, I'm, I'm advocating for about 20 years now. Uh, I used to work uh, in the past with uh, human trafficking. I have sometimes some case about human trafficking and modern slavery. Uh, and so uh, it's quite complex as a, um, as a case. But um, yes, I have, I have some case like that, yes. It's... Um, it's very difficult emotionally sometimes because you can't imagine that uh, maybe living in, I'm living in Melbourne in Australia and you, I had some case uh, with modern slavery and you do not imagine that in Melbourne today, we are the 2018, we have still people who are like considered as a slave, uh, to other human beings, you know, and it's very difficult to understand that. And you do not imagine that it could be uh, just uh, sometimes uh, in a big institution or big name and, uh, and uh, it's happen almost every day. So yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an incredible, incredible like background. I've worked with lots of not-for-profits um, myself. Hi, it's Rachel here. And 
Yeah, I'd love to know like what your actual day looks like. So how you know how are you you know being an advocate? How are you coaching? What are you working on? Because I guess from my point of view, I've worked on a lot of these types of cases as well, except from a communications background. So I'm editing reports and trying to get the key messages right. But I'd love to know from like a sort of a policy you know consultation perspective, like what it is that you do. Well, it's. Uh my, my day-to-day basis is, is quite simple, actually. Um, sometimes I am contacted in the middle of the night because, because of the time difference, you know, because I'm working with, uh, a lot with the US and, and also the other Europe as well. So, um, so for me, it's like, uh, yes, I don't have a day-to-day, uh, day-to-day basic time. Like, like, for example, I can work uh, in the morning very early uh, I can work at night very late. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I am contacted with message on my WhatsApp uh, from people and saying to me, because they need to talk, they need to, um, they, especially the, the refugee, uh, they, need, uh, they need to talk and uh, they need a, a moral support, you know. So I can tell that my everyday is the same everyday, to be honest with you. Yeah, wow. That's really interesting. And are you able to share like any successes that you've had with some of the campaigns? Perhaps, you know, some of the people you've like helped and what the results have have been from some of this advocacy? Because again, I never really get to experience that. So this is a completely selfish question. Well, uh, I'm... I'm starting... I have started that position uh, early this year in January. I am working at the moment... Uh, on the Yazidis community, I have a case quite, quite difficult because they are targeted by Yazidis. They live in the mountains. They live in the tent for about four years, so which is, uh, which is uh, a nightmare because even kids are living there. So for me, it's just like, uh, it hurt my heart, you know, a lot. Um, I am about to find a solution. I can talk really much about that because it's under confidentiality. But, uh, but yes, we are, uh, we are uh, trying to find a solution to make them safe. So, uh, yeah, at the moment, I can tell that, uh, yes, it's on the progress. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's a big, big thing for them and big thing for me as well because it's uh, like uh, two, two, three, weeks, uh, three weeks ago, they have been bombarded by uh, Turkey. And so they have lost people, and uh, I had the contact in the middle of the night saying we are, uh, they were uh, extremely um, um, affected by what, what happened, you know, and, uh, and yes, uh, it's, uh, it's difficult for them, it's difficult for, um, for, uh, for me as well, I have to tell. <laughs> I, I'm keeping myself muted because I have a symphony happening behind me <laughs> of animals. Of course. They were really resonating with everything you were saying, as I was. Um, so it sounds like a lot of the work you do is really, really powerful. So thank you, first of all, for what you, you do. Because it sounds like it really is monumental work. So my question for you and for listeners, this is Jenna. Um, my question would be that of all the coaching that you've maybe given, what would you say is um, your biggest takeaway for yourself? As far as maybe, you know, what you've learned, what, what makes you feel really good to do the work that you do? 
I always had faith in human beings. So I always thought that um, helping people it's what what I like the most, you know. And I think I wouldn't have done my the job and my career uh, like I have done if it was not the case. Uh, what made me keep up on that is my passion for the for the human beings, but also the fact that I think that we are actors of our life, and um, we need sometimes to have some help, and we need sometimes also to to think that if we share a little bit of kindness and care, this planet would be much better. So true. Really yeah. great. I'm, I'm also curious of, of maybe um, if you've ever given any advice to your clients or to people out there, what, what would you say is maybe the, the best piece of advice that you could give to somebody, to one of your clients? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's easy to say stay positive even so they have a bomb under their, uh, their head, you know, but... I really think that I, I gave them my, my advice would be more that have a face that someone is here to help you and have a face that I will never let you down. So you can trust me with that. Uh, I will do anything until I have a decent result. But when I say anything, it's just not illegal stuff or anything like that. No, no, I will be, I will persevere. I will be like, okay, we have to do that. Let's go. We have to act. We have to be in the action. Words is not enough sometimes, you know, you have yeah. to act and follow. Yes. Follow I love the energy. <laughs> Thank yeah. Way to be proactive. That's what, it, that's what people need in their coaches. Mm. Well, I think, I think that's why I have been a coach as well, because I was mentoring people for a long time. And, uh, and for me, uh, yes, coaching people, it's the motivating them. It's, uh, it's very important, I think. We all need to be motivated sometimes, you know. We need that support. We need that little words, you know, make the difference. So, yeah. And you use the word mentorship, and that is so real, because a lot of times people... They don't understand the power of coaching. And when you say mentorship, it makes sense because you, you need that inspiration sometimes. You need that validation. I always say validation because when we're talking about self-esteem or empowerment, it's being validated. It's knowing that what you're thinking is correct, that you can do it, that it's possible, that your circumstances don't determine your purpose. And you're talking about your purpose is, is so many things. So I'm sitting here taking notes and you have a law degree, you also speak French, and you have a French and Italian background, but you live in Australia. Italian as well. See? And you speak Italian as well. So you have multiple languages, mm -hmm. lived in multiple countries, and you have multiple fields, and your knowledge base is like no other. So no coach, you know, has been working for 10 years as an entrepreneur, a consultant, an event producer, and a business coach and a motivational speaker with an international spin. So as I'm like looking at your, your background, it's just amazing. Not to mention 
The one thing that I like about this podcast is by having women from different areas, we can look at how different we are, but also how similar we are. Because you are across the globe, but you're dealing with issues that affect us over here, along with people in between us. And so that's the thing that I want women to understand is that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, there's so many coaches out there. You know, I'm just one more person that just wouldn't matter, you know, or my ideas aren't authentic or I, I don't do anything different than what everybody else does. And that's not true. Not to mention, it takes a lot of us to make change. You know, change does not happen with one person. But as we collaborate and unify and support each other's dreams and also complement each other's gifts then that's the power of it. So I know that I can't do anything that you do. So I'm grateful for you and what you do. And it's important to have and just knowing what you do on a daily basis. Like you said, you know, do people really realize that you don't sleep a full night because you may get a phone call from across the the country or across the world? You know, that's something that I never think about. You know, I have conveniently scheduled things with people in Australia and Canada accordingly, but you have a, a job that, that you don't have that luxury. So, but it's a choice, you know, and, and that's the thing is that you have people, like you said, with compassion, you know, you have people, people, you know, and everybody says, you know, you, you should do something different and change your heart. No, certain people were made with certain hearts because the world needs that. And you're one of those people. So thank you. thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. Ladies, do you have any more comments for her? All right. So we are going to move on. Laura, don't go anywhere. We're going to keep, keep picking your brain. Rachel, Rachel, tell us about yourself and what it is that you do that makes you super special. Hey, everyone. Um, well, I think everything I do is about helping women-led businesses uh, and women themselves understand that the one thing that, that makes them different, that makes them stand out, that will make them successful and have, you know, amazing lifestyle, whatever that looks, you know, to them is actually themselves. So you've probably heard things like USP, you know, stand out, be different, etc. And so I help women stand out in a way that feels good to them. So I'm a copywriter, business coach, and teacher and like you guys I've gone through lots of kind of different experiences and iterations of my business but over the last kind of six years I've realized that if I want to be successful in my business if I want to have a life um, you know that I want that I actually have to be seen and heard so I can't sort of hide who I am hide behind my business hide behind, you know, the general nine to five uh, lifestyle that I actually have to step up and be seen and heard. And so everything I do for women now, I'm still struggling with myself. But um, instead of sort of telling them, you know, what to do or as I, um, which makes me really, really angry at the moment, is there are a lot of programs, you know, on the interwebs um, around the world that is all about, you know, packaging up this idea of sort of, fake authenticity, fake realness and saying like, hey, you know, follow my program, just do all of these steps and you'll be like me. But as we know, you know, we don't want any, you know, to have millions of the same people. We want to have different people. And I think that's what makes what we do as coaches and particularly in my field, I think, um, you know, around marketing, communications, helping people become visible is actually 
to help them stand out in a way that feels great to them and to highlight their strengths. So I guess, you know, what makes me different than other coaches is that I haven't done it hundred percent. I have to be honest, but I'm trying to fully embrace who I am, my past experiences, um, you know, and roll that into my business. And that's what I kind of do. I combine who I am with what I do and then help trying to attract, you know, people similar to me and help them uh, on my journey. Like exactly the same as what I've done. Wow. That's interesting, Rachel. Thank you. You talk, you talk, you talk about um, organization you were, uh, you were working for. Uh, what type mm -hmm. of organization do you work for actually? Sure. Well, I suppose my previous experience, I, you know, didn't start out running my own business. I started mm -hmm. out as a standard kind of communication and marketing expert. Um, so I'm originally from Hobart, Tasmania, um, in Australia, mm -hmm. the little islands. And, um, you know, at 22, I set off for my first journey around the world. So then I went and lived in London and worked for a publishing house in private equity and infrastructure, which was a complete snore. But it did teach me a lot about some of you know the sort of fundamentals of like capitalism and the you know the way the world goes around and then um i traveled uh, quite extensively and since then i've lived in places like bangladesh where i worked with australian government and local organizations again doing marketing and communications so mm -hmm. yeah i've kind of just moved around the world and worked with a whole bunch of different organizations from like banking to hospitals to universities etc and then again in my business i consult with them Um, and basically the same thing as what I do with women-led businesses where, you know, I help them with their communications and marketing strategy, how to actually, you know, connect with communities without this kind of fabricated authenticity. So, you know, how you probably see on social media now, um, we're like, you know, what do you think? You know, give us a like, give us a share. And at originally that started off as actually something authentic. People do want communications and to connect that two-way kind of conversation, but now it's just all fake so yeah i work with lots of organizations from as big as yeah the world bank um okay. all the way through to like you know creatives doing exactly the same kind of work so yeah i've worked with a few large ngos who have worked in some of the same areas as you laura and i've done a lot of communications um and supported them that way to make sure i guess probably similar to work that you do that the beneficiaries for lack of a better term the people we're you know trying to help um are being seen um in a way that i feel is respectful so not seeing as you know being poor, necessarily poor and desolate and unable to help themselves but as uh strong people uh who want to connect with the world and trying to help them get connected not to make their life better or to save them because we don't need to be saviors there is no mm -hmm. need for us to Yeah, I understand. I understand perfectly because I have, uh, I have the same type of uh, of people as well uh, in my uh, advocacy. So uh, yeah, we uh, we are uh, on the same page actually. <laughs> Fantastic. I have, a, I have another question for you. I would like oh. to know what is what is your best experience you had, the best ever, the best souvenir you ever had uh, in coaching women. The best experience I've ever had. Um, I think one of my recent clients who's done one of sort of my longer term programs, um, you know, she wrote this amazing testimonial for me and you know, even the fact that she took the time to do that, but just reading the testimonial and each time 
she like complimented me it felt so amazing but also I because she was complimenting herself as well and I had to point it out to her she was you know like you helped me do x y and z I was like no no like you did this as well like you turned up you wrote the copy you put yourself out there like you're the one who's got the success and I felt like I suppose again selfishly that I was getting to live like her successes um as well as mine and I get that invested in my clients so that was the best experience for me because it sort of I suppose reiterated like all of the work that I've been doing it made me realize that she had got just as much out of the experience as I had because I was thrilled and I'm still working with her now and I think she's absolutely amazing and so it was kind of yeah like it's like it came back around in business it came back like all the love and work and support came back to me because she by that testimonial she uh, has helped me get other clients etc and it made me realize you know you've probably heard the saying like women you know don't have to fight each other for these positions that we're actually stronger together and you know as soon as we sort of help each other out and lift each other up that's you know that's how we're going to address some of the issues in the world so that kind of the tiny little spot in the world and the tiny little part of my business I kind of felt that ringing true that's okay that's good thank you Rachel, it sounds like a lot of the work you do, which, I mean, it's no wonder we probably have you on, on the group today because the theme, it sounds like, is really uh, opening your business and staying in your unique voice and really getting to share with the world what it is you do, what you're passionate about. So you mentioned before talking about authenticity and in kind of creating those conversations on like Facebook and in social media. I'm just curious on what your thoughts are with um, technology that we have these days, like chatbots and, you know, automating your programs. How do you feel, you know, generally speaking, how would you feel as far as telling an entrepreneur, you know, these are things you should do while still trying to maintain that authenticity, that unique voice that we talk about. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we have to accept that these days uh, with, you know, the online space, and I think this is true in real life and in business, um, you know, in general, is that we have to accept there is always going to be a small element of what I call fabricated authenticity in the sense that uh, as business owners, we have to, you know, and as journalists people, we have to make a decision like where we want to spend our time, you know, what parts of ourselves we want to put forward, what parts, you know, we don't want to put forward. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. You know, sometimes you've had a shitty day and someone asks you how you are, you can be honest to a point, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like, oh my God, you know, and again, like business owners uh, are trying to share behind the scenes, you know, share bits about themselves because that's what we're connecting with these days. That's what we want to know. We want to know why businesses are existing, why people are doing what they're doing. So I think we have to accept there's going to be a bit of fabricated authenticity. And then I think it really comes down to the individual, how that looks to them about the decisions that they feel comfortable with. Some people, you know, like to put on sort of their business hat or work hat or, you know, like mum hat and, you know, and take on a slightly different role, like a bit of a character in a book. And I think that's completely acceptable as long as they feel good within themselves. So for me, as, as an example, I struggle with this because, you know, my three biggest values are self-awareness, uh, honesty and authenticity. And so for me as a business owner, understanding marketing strategies, and I know how to do the online programs and the, profiles on Insta where, you know, I can create, I could actually 
create these personas of myself that I that perhaps would sell better than you know the real me or something like that and that's what I struggle with the most um and so now I choose to uh share the majority of myself but I am also accepting that I have to hold back on some things um to protect myself because you know, we can tell each other to, you know, to be real, to be seen, to put ourselves out there. But I think we also need to protect ourselves. And if we're growing, um, you know, living a life of growth, exploration and creation, which is what I strive to live uh, for and what I try and help my clients do, you know, you're going to stumble along the way and you have to put support mechanisms, I guess, in for that. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing wrong with holding a bit back of yourself. But, yeah, so to answer your question, I think, you know, we, as human beings, we accept that there is a bit of sort of fabricated authenticity and then I think it's up to the person to choose how much they wish to share within that spectrum. That's so interesting that you say that with um, as far as being able to kind of isolate or not isolate but restrict maybe how much you decide because on one hand, someone can take that as, oh, I, I'm hiding a version of myself where I'm trying to portray a certain persona when really in actuality it's making a choice to show the best version of ourselves right and especially in that business frame of mind you know not only do we want to be open and transparent but we also want to present ourselves in the way that we're saying hey i'm here to support you in your your business or your your life or your situation whatever it is that you're working with them on yeah definitely and I suppose go a bit against the grain, but this is something that I'm completely comfortable with that I also talk about my shitty days and I embrace the days um, and share the days when I'm exhausted or a bit down and I sit and watch Netflix and, you know, eat popcorn. And then obviously I'll pull myself out of it and get up. And I think that's real too, because even as coaches and business owners, we don't have the answers to absolutely everything. I think we can you know, probe and use questions and guide and use resources, but we're not expected to be uh, perfect. But, you know, again, I only share those types of experiences. I think when I personally have overcome them myself and I'm in a comfortable place that I'm not putting them out into the world uh, for recognition or for people to get to, to lift me up, I hope that, um, you know, I can lift myself up and, you know, I can take care of myself uh, before I put it out there because I think the problem is that a lot of, people then go the other way. So they either create a fake profile in the sense that everything's perfect all the time and they're gorgeous and on tropical, you know, islands working, which doesn't work by the way. The sand gets in your computer and the sun in your eyes. And then it goes the other way where you're like, oh, everything's shit or, you know, you know how it's the new kind of, again, fabricated authenticity where we put ourselves down but in a really strategic way. Like yesterday I totally like laid around and then now I've done these amazing things and all of this stuff. And so, yeah, I think you should only share when it feels real to you and it again goes back to your purpose of what you're trying to achieve so I try and uh, help like I said you know business owners kind of run a business that feels true to them so they can attract the right people and the people that I work with don't fall for the fabricated authenticity and they want to know that they can work with me because they trust me and that I am honest with all of the things that I tell them that I'm not telling them to do them and then doing something different um, you know, for my business. I agree with you about authenticity and trust as well, because I think that's the, that the main thing that, that the purpose we, uh, we should seek 
because uh, because so many people are uh, yes with social media, it's so easy to to fake everything actually. So I absolutely agree with that. I also noticed, okay, so I have to always say this disclaimer, Rachel, I'm a psychologist, but I know your background from looking at your profile and that is exactly why you say what you say about protecting yourself and your identity and the importance of it. And that is so true because a lot of people take a long time to figure that out. And me, I tell too much. I'm just an open book because I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm still standing. And so it's really important, though, because that's something I have to work on is being able to decipher what I, what is important and relevant for someone to know and what's not. But, you know, um, I'll, I'll tell the listeners, um, Rachel talks about her trauma and, you know, I hope to do a one on one with you so we can go into those kind of things. But one of the th reasons why I leave the door open for us to have open conversations is because that trauma and our backgrounds is what led us to our purpose of being able to find our voice and standing up for who we are and being able to know our identity. Like we didn't get here just from, you know, having, you know, a happy go lucky day every day, you know, like, like Jenna said, not Jenna, Rachel said many times, you know, every day is not great. You know, we have them days, you know, where it's like, okay, Netflix and show because I just need to get away from the world. But those days are what developed us into the women that we are today. And that's what I want listeners to understand. For those women who say that they don't have it in them to do it or that they don't have the background or they don't have education or they don't have the support like most of us didn't have it either we didn't think we had it or somebody else saw it in us and we just sleep one day we just leaped and that's what you got to do because when we go through those trials and tribulations it's not it's not in vain you know that is i tell everybody that's wisdom you know that's the difference between education and knowledge and wisdom you know, you, you learn something through a book that's knowledge. You learn something through life, putting you on your butt time and time again, going through these relationships, going through school, homelessness, marriages, you know, fails. Like, it, it has to mean something at the end of the day. And so when you talk about authenticity and you talked about growth and expiration, like, yes. And a lot of people miss that growth spurt. They miss the growth spurt. And if you miss it, you can never get that time back. And that's what you got to tap into. And it sounds to me like you did that. So kudos to you. I commend you. And I could just feel your energy. And I, I love it. I love it because you're a fighter. And I can tell. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, li I like to believe that I'm, yeah, a fighter. And I, yeah, I just do, I do want to sort of, uh, you know, go back over the point you said on wise so as an example i was like a women's leadership kind of community and you had to choose words to describe ourselves and obviously again that's kind of hard you know you get a list of words you have to think words how to describe yourself and so a lot of people will go to stick to the sort of standard ones you know like fun or caring and loving i'm sure we all are and i was like no you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try some words on like just try out some different hats and that's something that I've been experiencing especially the last couple of years and so I've tried out this word wise and then unfortunately we had to share them with people and I was like shit like I have to be honest um, about this and actually it was funny one older um, woman I don't think she did it out of judgment or spite or anger or anything horrible but she really sort of came at me for this word wise she's like but you have to be old to be wise and obviously I was one of the youngest people I think I was 
30 or something at the time, you know, I'm 31 now. And I was like, mm, I don't agree. And we ended up kind of getting this heated argument over this ideas of like, wise. And I think, yeah, every time, you know, you think wise, you see it like as a, I don't know, a male wizard or something like that in Harry Potter. But I think a lot of us are wise in our own areas of like expertise, um, you know, those kind of things. So if, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up that word because I was a little bit like, oh, and I got this weird feeling in my throat and I wanted to be shut down. And I realized, you know, that people not understanding about, yeah, like people's own experiences, et cetera. And, you know, it's something that's true to me, feeling shut down. And then that was one of the first moments where I kind of took that word. I was like, no. I'm going to own it and I kind of, you know, pushed down the fear and spoke about why I think, you know, why is this so important? And so, yeah, I love that you brought up that word. I think we're all, all wise already. You know, we don't have to be, yeah, 50 to be wise. And I'm going to add to that. I cannot stand when somebody calls me a baby, you know, oh, you're just a baby. And I'm like, you know what? If you had any idea what has happened in this small amount of time, like you would not be calling me a baby. And that's the thing where a lot of people don't put things in perspective and you never know who you're talking to, you know, because the, the, I have seen so my children, they're all smarter than me, all of them. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, even the next generations that are coming up, you know, they're wise, they're wise beyond their years. I look at my five-year-old and he can figure out things that I can't figure out, you know? So people need to put things in perspective because, you know, that, like you said, that's not true. And, and that's, that's also how people think that are afraid to, to pursue their dreams. You know, they really believe the stuff that the, those stigmas and those things that they hear, they think that they can't do it, or you got to have, you know, a cookie cutter life, or you got to have resources, or you got to have this. No, you just got to have a heart and you just got to have passion and you just got to have fire and you just got to want to make a difference. You just got to want other people to not go through what you went through, or you want people to know what you know so that their lives are easier, or their businesses thrive, or their confidence is better, or they're better parents, better mothers, you know? And so that's all it takes. You guys have any other comments for Rachel? I could go on and on and on. All right, well, we are going to go on to Jenna. Thank you, Rachel. Jenna, Jenna, tell yeah. us about yourself and what it is that you do that's super special. Uh, well, first, I'm like you. I am an open book, so be ready. Um, <laughs> uh, so my name is Jenna Poneman. I am a life and relationship coach. So uh, before I even dive into that, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Um, I was raised in a divorced home, a single mom. Dad was in Arizona my whole life, which started it all. Um, that's the start of my journey there. Um, and let's see what else. Um, I grew up in a very artistic family of opera singers and violinists and on one side and then I had the doctors and the lawyers on the other side. So I'm this artsy type who's told to keep quiet her whole life and be responsible, but I didn't do any of that. So I became an actress <laughs> being in LA, uh, you know, that whole fun thing. And I still get to be involved in all of that, which is great because that was sort of my first experience of getting to use my voice and getting to express myself so openly and uncensored. 
Um, so there was that. And then since I was five years old, I was a figure skater. So I had all these things where I was always just so addicted to expression using my voice. Um, and so life was great in that sense um, for relationships with what I do now. Um, so I work mainly with women, but I have a lot of male clients as well. And uh, what we do is we focus on giving them that ultimate upgrade on their love lives that they really uh, have always hoped for and thought was more of a fantasy. And we work together to really see how that's not a fantasy at all, but it's a reality and what that reality is for them. So we're creating ultimately thriving relationships with other people, but what we're really doing is building that self-love. It's really going within, discovering what it is about themselves that turns them on um, and excites them and motivates them to live each day uh, in the best way possible. And how do we take all of that stuff and put it into romance and put it into intimacy and fun and all the good stuff? So that's in a nutshell what I do. And then uh, same as Rachel, I went through uh, trauma in my young years as part of my own relationship journey. Part of that, you know, kind of trying to fill the void of my, of my father. And if he's ever listening to this, I love him. We have a very strong relationship now. But growing up was definitely um, always kind of struggling to fill, fill what I felt was missing. And so that led me into an abusive relationship. So I dealt with that for a lot of years. And then that's when I had the pivotal moment of realizing my own self-worth. And that was when I actually found coaching for myself. And because it was so powerful and transformative, I just knew, you know, I had to do it. And so I was already in college at the time studying sociology because I'm obsessed with learning about people and culture and all that fun stuff. I have a big Jewish family, so... I'm obsessed with the culture and all things food and everything. <laughs> um, and so, so once I became a sociologist, I then went on to become a certified coach from uh, IPEC, which is the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, and got my designation there. And that's me. That's awesome. And, you know, we have many similarities, many, many, many. And one thing that I tell my husband all the time is that when you grew up without a role model or a male figure or a healthy relationship or what that even looks like or what expectations are, it is really hard. And it is an, ex an expectation of women and men that that's unrealistic. Because in coaching, in psychology, in therapy, like I went into mental health and therapy because I wanted to fix people because my whole life everybody was broken and most people were doing nothing about it. And I was, I was determined to just keep my sanity period point blank at all costs, whatever that meant. And I was also a music major. So I was a clarinet performer. So hey, yeah, I so would have been. <laughs> and it's, it, you know what, what's crazy is that art keeps a lot of people healthy because it is a sense of expression, especially when you are silenced. So it, it was definitely an outlet for me and music was the thing. And everybody says, why don't you do it? You were so good at it. Well, it, it served its purpose, but that's not what I was designed to do. And so it was a gift. It got me a scholarship to college, but at the end of the day, I'm good with a clarinet. I, I served my time. I, I don't need to do it anymore. But I do love people. And, and the thing about it is, you know, like you said, culture, I just sit and watch people. I watch behaviors. I listen. And my husband hates it, but it's just a thing because... <laughs> 
it could resolve so many issues if you just pay attention to people's behaviors and 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 looking at our past and and my question to you jenna is even though people may know that they need you do they come to you mm. What a great question. That is like the question of the century. Um, so yes and no. They, it depends kind of on the demographic, um, which is so interesting because we were just talking about the idea of wisdom and age and all mm -hmm. that, that what tends to happen is the younger generation, millennial generation, for the most part, they find out what I do. They get really excited. The first go-to line is, oh my God, everybody in this room needs you. Um, and so we sit down and we start to have the conversation, but you'll see very quickly how those fears or what we call gremlin voices start to come up and bubble to the surface. Because A, they start to realize, if I'm sitting here with you right now, asking you about this, that means I need help. And if I need help, then maybe there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that's a really valid fear. I mean, we've all probably thought that at least 10, 20 times. Yep. Time 100 in our lives. So there's that. And so then they, they try to, you know, reason with themselves on why they shouldn't do it. And they figure, you know what, I'm still young. I can still figure it out for myself. Oh, so, can we yeah. put that on a t-shirt somewhere or stamp it on people's forehead? Because yeah. if I hear that one more time, I'm going to scream. And, oh. and the thing about it is, is that no matter how smart you are or what you know, it does not pertain to you because you're emotionally involved. So you can't do anything with a clear mind when you have emotion. And it's, it's a thing of, you know, women are emotional, but there's different levels of emotion, you know? And so that's, that's, that's the thing of figuring it out. I wish we could just do away with that. I can't Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of what Rachel had touched on it too when she was talking about what she did with her business. It's really, it's a matter of developing trust. And just as much as it is developing, you know, me coaching about relationships intimately, when we're talking about one type of relationship, we're really talking about all relationships. It's, it's about how, how do you make connection with people? Even in business, when, when you're working with business, someone wants to have some sort of reassurance that their investment is going to you know, return to them in some shape or form. They want a guarantee. And this isn't something where you can see a paper value. It's very personal, very internalized. It also depends on their effort because what yeah. in my early coaching, I was, I was picking the clients and not letting the clients pick me. The people that wanted help weren't coming to me. I was going to the people that needed help. And yeah. it, it doesn't work because if they're not doing the work, it's not going to happen. So what you just said is that you can make the suggestions, but if they're not doing the homework, you're not going to get the result. And then they're going to blame it on somebody else and say, oh, it's not working. Right. And, you know, that's when you start to see, you know, is this a question of value? How valuable is this to you in this moment? Not to say it won't be later on. And that's where, you know, you do get more, a lot of my clients are of the older demographic. They might've been through a divorce. Uh, they might've lost their partner and are widowed or um, my partner is in the military. I see your, your Marine Corps blank in the back, I know more. And so I have a lot of clients that are in the military or have partners in the military. And so they feel the loss or they feel the pain. And so they want to learn how to, how to deal with that because it's valuable enough to where they know they're going to be with their partners. They want to be with them so badly that they're willing to do the work for themselves. 
Sorry. But we have stuff for the people that aren't quite ready yet. We help them out because as a coach, it's our mission to really empower, at least for mine, it's I want to empower women and I want to be able to show them that there are other ways than what the media tells you or what your parents tell you or your friends tell you. There's a way for you uniquely on your own to get exactly what you want. So let me support you in the way that you're comfortable with now and we'll go from there. Okay, I have to say one more thing. I'm trying not to keep talking to you. So the um, on your point of the military thing, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what I have found out is it is a different world and it's completely different. And so I will be picking your brain and possibly using you because I am launching a retreat for military spouses. And Girl, it is I've got called it. Identity. And so this is going to go down very soon. And so the fact that you just mentioned it is like, because it's like every time I go through something, I'm like, is this my purpose? Did God put me here for this reason? But the reality of it is, is that, you know, like you just said, when you commit to something, you're willing to do whatever it takes. And there's many people like that that just don't know that there are resources and that there's a way to make sense of it all. And, and with, without losing your identity, you know, as the partner, as the spouse. So it, it is a culture and a lot of people don't understand that and they don't understand how to navigate it and and still be you and be authentic so i will be tapping into you and um in the meantime i'm gonna let rachel say something go ahead rachel awesome i just love what you said jenna like oh my god that's what people are like when they come to me too because obviously putting yourself out in business in, in a sense, I've learned that having a relationship with my business is like a thing. And I don't mean that in like a creepy, weird way, but it is like, it's like my baby, you know, you put everything into it. Sometimes it gives back to you. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And you feel like you're kind of going around in circles and it's communicating in a way that doesn't make sense. And I think starting my business journey, like I was talking before, pushed me to be more seen and heard personally, to address some of my childhood trauma and issues. But within that, then started to come up some, you know, things to do with my relationships. And even, you know, what we've talked about here, you know, I didn't have the best role models, et cetera. And within that, I also didn't see emotion displayed particularly well, whether it was happiness, anger, et cetera. And so for me, I've often, you know, been afraid of emotion whether it was like, you know, that feeling of like, you know, happiness, gratitude, all of those emotions are weird for me. And I wasn't sure when to use them to sort of push me to do something versus not. And so I wanted to know from you, Jenna, like about how you explain to people that emotions are not bad, that emotions aren't going to hurt them, aren't going to, you know, damage them. And it's okay to sometimes, you know, look to your partner, yourself, etc., and be like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm a little confused here because I think that for me was the scariest thing. Whereas like I have to trust myself so much in my entire life that when I started looking at emotions, I thought I couldn't trust myself because I didn't know how to understand them. And I guess, you know, again, selfish question, how do you, uh, yeah, how do you get them to understand that and to take that sort of leap? And I think that I'm going to add the word vulnerability to that because that's a word that I harp on. And Jenna, how do you get people to learn that it is okay to be vulnerable because people don't understand that? Yeah, great question. Uh, First of all, with Rachel, I mean, it's no wonder that emotions feel really uncomfortable when you're raised in an environment to where they're essentially unfamiliar, from what I'm hearing you say. 
you know, so it's when, you know, emotions are really, they're not ingrained in you in, in the biological sense. They're sociologically learned. You learn to say happiness means this because that's what you're seeing around you. And so when you're not raised around those terms, so to speak, yeah, they're going to feel a little abnormal to you. And so that's the same thing that I would say with, with any of my clients is that why not challenge emotions in general? Why not challenge what they mean? So what if there's this definition in the dictionary or you can Google it and it gives you a hundred billion versions of the word happy? What is happiness to you? What does that look like? If we can't connect to feeling, totally okay. Well, what are some thoughts you might have if you were in a happy space? And so vulnerability, which is certainly something that is really, really tough for a lot of people, myself included, really probably anybody on the planet. Vulnerability is something that it doesn't have to be forced. It shouldn't be forced. Uh, in fact, any emotion should never be forced. And so to your question about emotions being good or bad, I guess what I'm really alluding to is that what if there was no good or bad? What if it just was? It just is. And so with vulnerability, what is that to you in this present moment? And when you're comfortable with that, okay, what is, if we can take one very, very small step, just one small step right now, what does that look like to you in this moment? And let's just aim for that. And little by little, we start to peel back those layers. Like you said, building that relationship with yourself or with your business or with that other person. Taking it step by step. And if you happen to stumble back, that's okay. Because that's also vulnerability in itself. Learning to be okay with whatever the outcome is, whether it is quote unquote good or bad. We learn to make those choices that still keep us open to receive and open to give. And that's really what vulnerability and all of the emotions are about in the first place. It's the freedom to choose and it's the freedom to go along any journey and learning how to navigate through it. Awesome. I'm so glad you said that because that took me like, you know, years of therapy to figure out <laughs> so for you to sell that. But our listeners, I was like, yes. Like it, it just takes so long. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, particularly like you're saying relationships, um, we have these already sort of fake ideas of how it should go, you know, from all the you know, Cinderella stories and stuff like that. So I think just like you're saying, you know, perhaps with my childhood and not seeing it represented well, the same for, you know, fairy tale romances and all of the movies. So they overcome one big issue, which is kind of not that big. And then they're together happily ever after. And as we know that that after, you know, kind of fades away and then you go through another kind of sort of, you know, trial and tribulation and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's amazing to hear you say that because it is an ongoing process. And I think, you know, even with my partner and I, you know, some days we're like, oh my God. And then the next day we, you know, come back, communicate and it feels amazing because we've both been vulnerable, you know, we've both been true to ourselves and, you know, like you said, willing to put in the, the effort. And it's the same with any kind of relationship. So yeah, thank you for like sharing that. It's so good. If yeah, I was like, I'll sign up right here. Where's your sign up button? <laughs> exactly what I have. Yeah, we all need to My hear. Yeah, I'm really, I'm actually really excited you mentioned arguing with your partner because one of the biggest topics I cover with my clients is that let's encourage arguing. 
because arguing is nothing more than a high stakes conversation and isn't relationship all about high stakes <laughs> right and i am the best communicator on earth then <laughs> me too high five all around yeah <laughs> right i mean it's all about just learning to shift the mindset and it's not this huge you know, when everyone thinks, oh, big upgrade on life or big upgrade on business or whatever, they expect it to be such a big, drastic change when it's, it's not, you don't do it all at once. It's a marathon, right? So, you know, you're taking it step by step, little by little. It's a very, very small shift in the mindset that creates that ripple effect into that monstrous change. So it's even in the way, even in, for example, the way we argue with our partners, right? If it's attacking, 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 yeah, they're going to get defensive. But if we start to shift our mindset of why, it, why is it we're having this conversation in the first place? Why am I triggered right now? There's something within me that feels hurt. Why do I feel hurt? We start to sort of dig through that. And ultimately, the reason we fight is because we value this relationship so much that we have a reason to fight for it. So coming from that space, because we want this to work out, how can we create that open environment where both parties can be essentially benefiting in a way? How can we work through this together as a cohesive unit to get what we both want while not feeling like we're sacrificing ourselves and our voices? Exactly. That rings so true to me. Because again, you know, I saw lots of fighting and arguing growing up. And so I associated it with a bad thing. But now I associate it with a yeah like you said high stakes but also being it's a, it allows me to be open and honest in the moment and to be vulnerable and to say you know what I think needs to be said and sometimes you know I might get a little rough around the edges and I can apologize for perhaps the way I said something but not sort of the meaning and stuff behind that and so good for you to hear that because again I don't think we talk about that enough again you know with the bad days of business the you know some days when you're a bit down Sometimes when you're arguing with your partner, that's actually a good thing. It's not this scary thing that we need to avoid again, you know, with bad emotions, all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad that you say that. I'd almost love it if we challenged ourselves and our clients to literally remove the word bad and good out of our vocabulary and our mouths for just like a day. Like, cause like even when we, when you so beautifully phrase, you know, having a bad day with business. What if every, what if every bad choice we made was still an opportunity for something really amazing to happen? And so, it is because it's either a lesson, you know, or a lesson, you know, no matter whether it's a good lesson or a bad lesson, either way, it's a lesson. So there is no bad day in business and there is no bad argument, you know, as you stated, because like you said, if people didn't care and if we didn't care in relationships, we'd walk away. And when I turn a blind eye, that's when you need to understand that you're on your own. So, you know, that's, that's very important that you say that. And a lot of people, they misconstrue that often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I probably should stop saying the word bad and good, but I was like, uh, I think it's a perfectionist in me. That's, that still goes mm, good and bad. Oh, but even like yesterday, even yesterday I was on the couch. I did a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to lay here. And then one of my friends like, what did you do yesterday? I was like, oh, not much. And then I still looked at my list and I did like 50 million things. So you're right. Like it's my perception of stuff and the perfectionism that I think a lot of women have. And I know it's something um, that I sort of try and help coach my clients through, particularly from the visibility perspective. Like I can't put this thing out there. I can't say this thing. I can't do this thing. It's not perfect. And I was like, well, 
you know, it sometimes is beautiful when there is a spelling mistake, you know, if it's not going to cause any massive dramas or you stumble over words or something, there's sort of a, it's more beautiful that way. We're all natural. We're more human. We relate to, to humans. So yeah, I think, you know, we're kind of going around that circle, but I think it's definitely perfectionism that makes us want to put things in good and bad and categorize things to make ourselves feel better or to be able to, like you said, you know, return on investment. You can't really, sometimes the work that we do is a bit hard to do, you know, show return on investment. A lot of my clients, well, potential clients ask me that. And I know that then they're not the right person for me because like we've talked about, it's about how much effort you put in. It's about your mindset shift. It's about what you value, what you care about. And, you know, these things are personal and hard and, you know, I go up and down backwards and forwards and Sundays I feel like I go around in circles, but, um, you know, like you said, it's still progress. We're still moving forward. Mm-hmm. Laura, you have any comments about anything? I would say that uh, I am impressed about what you do, Jenna, and uh, Rachel, what you said. Um, my my way of uh, of what I do it's a bit different. So I am. I will say that uh, yes. Um, how I can say that, how I can express. Um, I'm a fervent advocate for, uh, for feminism some, and sometimes I have some, some men who really very badly react about that word. I don't know if you came across that, uh, that thing um, in, in your life, in your experience, but uh, Jenna, especially you, maybe a question I have for you, it's uh, with your male clients, how do they react? How did they react maybe about the Me Too movement? Did they mention that? Did, um, how they, did they take that uh, really much emotionally? Because um, I know that sometimes, uh, yes, it's good, the Me Too movement is really good, and, and, but, but sometimes you can be a bit too much, you know, and, and for the men, they, they, they feel a little bit um, like on the side of the track. And so I wanted to know what was, uh, what was their feedback? What did you hear? What did you, how did you feel about that as well? Yeah, uh, it definitely had a very, very big impact, you know, not just among my clients, but myself, people I'd, I'd met or spoken to. Um, the Me Too movement, especially here in LA, ended up being tied into the entertainment industry very, very big. Um, and so between the media advertising it so strongly, it really, what initially happens, as does any situation with the media, is it, it becomes a collective consciousness, essentially. So all of these women are standing up and rising up and using their voices, which for starters is fantastic because we want women to not be ashamed of what's happened. I myself, like I mentioned, I went through trauma. So this was a very big moment for me to actually be able to, to come forth to my family and tell them what happened. And having that collective consciousness felt like having a band of women and men in support saying, we've got your back. It's okay. And so for that, it was very great. At the same time, like you've mentioned, having that sort of negative effect, 
I just did a talk on this on another podcast. It's so funny. Um, we sort of have this really weird influx of gender norm reframing. Before it was very traditionalist thinking, right? Of the, you know, men does do this, women do that, fe uh, being feminine versus masculine, whereas now the Me Too movement came out. And so women um, are calling themselves feminists and they're empowered and they're rising above. And so now it's sort of this, I hope I, you know, if, I, if I'm not allowed to curse, I'm sorry, but fuck men kind of a belief. And sure, it's very reasonable. They, they've been through some pain, but one man in his actions does not mean that every man is exactly the same. And for those women, it's very hard for them to see that. But there's so many. And so again, the media is fueling this. Other people are fueling this fire. And so now there's men who are very good men who are too afraid to say anything or too afraid to come on to a woman perhaps or to express how they really feel about a woman because, hey, they might take it the wrong way. They might see me as someone who's trying to attack them now. So I need to be careful. And so really uh, it's created a little bit of a weird thing here because now authentic relationships are still not able to be created, or there's another type of challenge here. So we're just trying to find the place where they can get over that pain, move through the pain, accept it. Not, you know, unfortunately we can't change what's happened. So what, what I try to do with my clients in this case is at least come to some sort of peace with themselves. They don't have to forgive the person but we want them to be able to let go because ultimately we want them to be able to move on and still ha be able to love, to be open, to communicate all of those things that we really wanted before this had ever happened to them. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, maybe they want to be single and that's fine, but we want to be able to make sure it's from a healthy standpoint. It's something they truly want rather than coming from a place of fear. And so that's what I like to work with with both my clients as far as how the Me Too movement works, trying to really come to the root of what really happened, being able to actually feel the pain in a healthy way, and then being able to see what's next. Yes, I agree with you on that because um, um, as an advocate and uh, advocating human rights, uh, women rights as well, uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes I had uh, I had some some comment about uh, feminism, and when I was mentioning that I was a feminist, men sometimes were jumping on me and say, "Oh no, you are not a feminist." And I say, "Well, what does it mean to you being a feminist? Because, okay, if you think that I am a mainitus, no, I'm not. I am inclusive, not exclusive. That's for me the main difference in between the two of them." Um, and I say, and also, if you knew a little bit about my personal story, I come from a dysfunctional family uh, with a, a dad quite violent. Um, and also, I had a toxic relationship for eight years that I am separated from five years now. So I'm still seeing that good men are here and still there. And so it's very funny because, yes, Yes, people and men, and, and when, I, when you say that you are a feminist, immediately they have the bad, bad idea about the feminism, you know? And it's just, uh, it's just a shame, actually, that, uh, that um, they, we, we can, yes, find a way to... to we, we need more education on that, I think, much more education. You need to, to be proactive, us as a woman, and include maybe more men into the... Into the 
the the movement i would say uh, yeah. instead of instead of saying okay you are a man i am a woman we are different yes we are different and and so what we yeah. need to work out yeah and you know it's the same thing that's happening here in the states it's happening in canada i have a client in singapore it's happening there too i mean the idea of being a feminist now means we hate men it means that women are better and somehow superior than men which it's not it's not at all it it's it's about how can we be equal mm -hmm. i almost now i, I somehow I'm a woman, I'm all for it, but at the same time, I hate the word because the frame of mind means that I'm all for woman, which I am, but I'm also all for human being. I'm all yes, for yes. being an individual, for getting to express myself openly and freely and not being afraid to feel the way I feel. And I know for me, it's a thing of my whole life, I've been an activist and it was because I knew that there were other people going through what I went through. And I know that oftentimes men go through the same things that we as women go through now more, if not before, and they just don't talk about it. And so it's trying to break those, those conversations open. And that's why I, I really bring everybody together because at the end of the day, I'm hoping that the strength in women will show strength in men because, you know, it makes no sense if women are healing and men are not. That's it, it defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to do in raising healthy families and healthy communities. You know, we can do whatever we do all day long. But at the end of the day, if we're not, if, if, if the men aren't doing the same thing and healing and, and, and dealing with their pain, then we're, we still got this dysfunctionality going on. And, you know, we have the generational gaps and the barriers and the, the generational curses going on. And I know for me, as a minority, I didn't want to have a black son. And then I had a black son. And it was like, okay. And, and even explaining to men and the fathers or whoever, they don't want to have a conversation a lot of times. They just act like things are not happening. And that's what, what continues. And so it's interesting to me when you see the feminism, you know, stigma of people not liking it. You still have it with the, the Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter or with the rainbows and the pride. and the, it, People have a problem with everything. And at the end of the day, if we're all working towards healing and we're all communicating and having conversations about our pain, then guess what? We're more alike than different anyway. No matter what we're coming from, we all have battles. And, and that's what kills me about the feminist movement, the Me Too, Me Too movement, and even hearing men think that these men are lying, the ones that are saying that things happen to them. And I'm like, perpetrators perpetrate, or victims perpetrate. You, 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 just, you just gotta, gotta dig a little bit and, and be open and receptive to the fact that we're possibly at a place where people are ready to finally heal. And that, to me, is amazing. That's growth, and that's, that's a good world to me. So while it scares other people, it excites me. Um, maybe I'm different. I don't know, but I like it. But, you know, just to what you said, you know, and, and talking about being a feminist, I really had a hard time with singling my business out to be in a women's business because initially I didn't want to funnel my gift. I really wanted to speak to men because in my career, I was a correction officer for almost 10 years. And it was interesting that the men actually listened to me. I worked in all male facilities and the inmates listened to me. They, they, I built rapport. I, tr I gave them respect. They gave me respect. They would open up to me. 
And everybody said, what do you do to them? Like, why are you always talking to them? And I'm like, all you have to do is just treat them like human beings. And these are some of the brightest individuals that just got desperate or had bad situations, but ultimately they're the most creative, that some of them are lawyers. I mean, things that you need done that you can't get done anywhere where, where somebody's going to give you the time of day. These people have some of the best minds, you know, and even in, I worked in a mental illness um, facility and people don't know people with personalities and schizophrenia have <laughs> pretty high IQs, but people take things for granted because they're not taking the time to open their eyes and pay attention to what's around them. And how much effort does that take? It, it, it amazes me. So just talking about feminism and human trafficking and human rights and all the things that we're talking about, you see how we got on these stuff, these things when our businesses, they may not have anything to do with it, but they have everything to do with it. Because in our walks of life, just touching, building relationships, that's, people think that you have to be in a relationship to have a relationship counselor. No, it's better if you're not in a relationship and you're working on yourself so that you can be healthy in a relationship. You know, it, it's so, I just, you know, I can go on for days. I just love y'all. And, and, and it's just important what we do and, and we need each other and, and it's just awesome. And I'm excited to, to know you ladies and to be a part of this process and to see what lies ahead. Y'all have any comments before we go? Um, one thing that came to mind when you were saying all the amazing things you were just saying is that I feel like, A, at the foundation of everything, everything you just mentioned, the turmoils and the struggles and the stigmas that we all have, it's, it's all, everything at the foundation, what it stems from is judgment, which is connected to fear. We judge, we have our beliefs that we created against certain groups, certain people about our fears of having black children, for example, it's because we're fearful that they're going to have a life that we don't want them to have, or we're fearful that something's going to happen to us that we don't want to happen, or something that we're basing on history patterns or, or beliefs that we've, we've developed. And they're all just judgments, all of it, none of it's true. It's all just things we, stories we have created in our minds to hold us back from the things that we ultimately want and deserve. And like you said, that's why you then work with a coach. <laughs> it's like, oh man, hell yes. Build a village because you know, we need different people to, to work on the different parts of our brain, you know, cause it's not just about business. You know, a lot of women in business think that they only need business coaches. No, we are whole, you know, and we don't have anybody and bosses to look at us, to tell us, Hey, you don't look right today. Are you okay? Are you taking care of yourself? You know, I got dragged to Zumba this morning because I'm not taking care of myself, you know, but we have to do things different as women entrepreneurs. And we mm -hmm. actually face more challenges than the average person that's in an environment with support. So mm -hmm. we have to create that externally. And like you said, fear, fear will paralyze you if you let it. Work and with it. It's, it's just telling you that there's a big opportunity on the other side. Yep. Get excited for that fear. Definitely. When That's I, what's happened in my experience. Mm -hmm. When I feel a fear, uh, because in, uh, in my work, I feel fear all the time, you know, what I do is I push, push, push. Like, that's the, that's the way uh, I'm doing it. Like, uh, no matter what, I will push the fear and say, okay, 
grew beyond big. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing, yeah, I think. That, that work, works for me, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I have named my fear um, in IPEC, when, where I've studied, we learn to call them gremlins because they are not us. They are this little nasty thing separate from us, so we can choose to tell wow. it to take a back seat. Um, I've named her Janice. <laughs> and I don't know a single soul named Janice, so I cannot associate my my little gremlin-y fear with anyone oh I actually know. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh. I love that. I've never heard of naming it. I actually have a tattoo of it on my arm so that I, fearless faith, because I have to remember that fear no longer has that bondage, that it doesn't have that hold on me. But Janice, I'm, I'm done. I'm just Janice. name it, and when I, when it comes up, I have a little conversation with Janice, and I say, Janice, go ahead and sit in my cheering section while I still choose to do this. Oh my gosh! It's and so relevant, though. It's so relevant. I mean, I can totally see how it works, but it's hilarious. To me. Right. Um, but yeah. but that's it. the thing, because fear is really just this little thing. Yeah. And when we learn yeah. to look at it a little differently, it just mm -hmm. becomes so powerless. We give it's it so much power. Yeah, yeah, we do. Don't, we, yeah. we give all of our power to it. And so when I make it the silly, tiny, stupid, ridiculous thing, the power's all in me. It's gone. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want with it. So, you know, <laughs> I, one of these days I'm going to make a little thing for it. It's going to be well, an action. I'm going to put, when I come up with the name of my fear, I'm, you're going to be the first person I Tell I'm me. Because <laughs> this is more important than naming my first car. Rusty. So, I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I can't wait to tell you and, and to, 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 to message you and say, hey, I named my fear. I love that. I love it because if you can wrap your brain around it, then you have control over it and it no longer has control over you. Mm -hmm. I get it. I encourage all of your listeners, if they're listening now and they have a fear, name it and tell you the name. Drop it in a comment. I love that. All right, listeners, y'all hear that? I want to hear the name of your fear. Yes. Yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think I will name mine and we'll we share with you afterwards. Yes. <laughs> that made my night. to my school. That made my night. That made my night. Oh, yay. All right. Well, I want to let the listeners know that all the ladies' information will be uploaded on my um, website, nobodygreaterinc.com. And also we have a newsletter coming up and I will hope that these women will um, share their content and their information so that you guys can, can tap into the women in business um, newsletter. And also the CEO of she group on Facebook is all female entrepreneurs. And I will be collaborating in all of the upcoming retreats and my upcoming book with the women that you hear on the podcast. So I thank you ladies for being here and being a part of, my business, I've actually changed my business since I started. I was a life coach, but now I enjoy doing the podcast so much that my whole business is basically being a women's network now. So I am a one-stop shop of keeping your information, creating a business directory, allowing women to be able to come to one place and find women that they can trust that have value, that won't take advantage of them, that, you know, has the same heart that I have. And that is loving people and being honest and authentic. So I thank you ladies so much for being here. Thank you. So great thank to be you. here. Thank you so much, Annika. I'll talk to you ladies to talk to you. I have a little thing to add. 
Um, I would like to share with you a news. I have been um, uh, asked last week uh, to be listed on the official nomination for uh, the United Nations Human Rights Prize for 2018. The result will be uh, in December, so I really need your support. Oh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> Yay. Wow. I'm sending you all the prayers, the love, the good juju. I'm sending it all to you. That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Fantastic work. Oh, what a better way to see your work and your value. You know, uh, that's That's awesome. a bigger, yeah, that's huge for me, actually. That's huge. That's awesome. Well, keep us posted. Of course. We, I will. All right. And ladies, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys doing big things as you already are. And I would love to come visit you guys across the water one day. I talk to you guys over there and you sound so, you make me sound like, you know, I need to learn another language or something or, or find another place to live or, or, or explore something, you know, because y'all make me look pretty bad. But you know what? I'm living through you and I like being able to at least reach you through the podcast. So kudos to that. Well, thank you guys for being here. And I want to thank the listeners for listening and stay tuned. This is episode actually three for the week and we're doing five this week. So keep listening. And I hope you learned something from these amazing women. If nothing else, I want you to know that your voice has power and never let anyone silence that. Have a wonderful day.